morning, everybody well? Yeah, it's good to see you. It's good to be back. It's good to be in a room full of people. It really is. We can see your faces. And uh, you guys had a phenomenal and still have a phenomenal online game, but there's nothing beats getting in the house together. And uh, it's good to see churches opening up all across the country. Uh, I've been able to get out and about a bit more into Dublin, Galway, and beyond. And it's just lovely to get people back in a room worshiping the Lord. It really is fantastic. Look, I want to talk to you today about a fruit of the Spirit that's probably we need a little bit more of. Uh, and that is uh, the, the fruit of peace, okay? So I want to talk about peace this morning. Uh, and so the title of my talk is How to Hold Your Peace. Now, my granny would have said things like, How you're wished. Ever had a, and like, How you're wished. That's not the peace. She means just shut up. That's what she meant. This is not the kind of peace that I mean, okay? It's the peace of God. And to help us just frame that a little bit, I've got a couple of verses for you in Galatians 5, verses 22 uh, to 23 to help us. And then we're going to unpack that probably... Maybe more of a teach than a preach this morning, so I'm going to need you all to listen for all the way through. Is that okay? All right then. Let's read the Word of God together. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, it is joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law. There's no rules against kindness. There's no rules against joy. Is there? You think there would be sometimes to look at our faces, but there's no rules against having joy. And the Bible says there's no rules and no laws against peace. And God wants you to have peace. You're meant to be at peace. Are you at peace? Let's pray. All right, Father, we thank you, Lord, because we need your word, and we need your presence to continue to rush through this building. Lord, as we've been uh, taking part in praying for uh, new marriages, praying for new futures, new steps, we've been praying and worshiping through some incredible songs that have been born in this house. How exciting is that? That the voice of the house is reaching across into hearts. And so now in this part of the service, we gather around your word. And so we want you, Holy Spirit, to bring your word to life in our lives. So that God, we leave this building, we leave this room having met with the Lord. Through each other, through worship, and through his word. So Holy Spirit, take anything off our eyes and off our hearts. Let us see Jesus. And we all pray in his name and everybody said, amen. You will know a pastor from CCI, a guy called Rob Carley. Rob has been here a couple of times and he is a phenomenal communicator. I think he's the wellness advisor for Intel Global, right? How good is that? How do you land that sort of work? Okay. Wellness advisor. Okay. For Intel. Global, right? Anyway, and he is a pastor, he's a counselor, and he says this, that all of us, everyone online this morning, all of us in this room, and me up here, we have three fundamental needs that we need to ensure sound emotional health, okay? He says this, that we have the need to be safe, the need to matter, and the need to belong. And when one or more of these fundamental needs are not being met, what happens is that we lose our peace. When the, the need for uh, security or to be safe uh, is unmet, it produces insecurity. When the need to matter is not met, it creates a sense of hopelessness. When the need to uh, belong is unmet, it creates a feeling of being unwanted. 
And let me go one step further this morning and say this, that the thing that's eating your lunch, the thing that's in your head this morning, the thing that has your stomach in nuts, okay, putting you off your sleep, the thing that has stolen your peace is there in you because, and if you think it and trace this back at its root, you either don't feel safe, secure, or wanted. And for me, this is important because a persistent lack of peace leads to a persistent loss in perspective. Now, we all can lose our peace from time to time, and we get our peace back. Things annoy us, and we move on. But what happens if it lingers? A persistent lack of peace leads to a persistent loss of perspective. And when you lose your perspective, what happens is you don't like how you look. And then we over-diet or we over-exercise or, or whatever it is, we, we, we think bad thoughts about how we look. Then we lose our perspective. We don't like how other people look. We go online. You ever go online and scowl at everybody else's life? Look at them. Look at them. Look at them. I knew her before the Lord. Look at them. Woo, look at her. Look at him. Look at that. Look at Don. Look at this. Look at that. Look at the other thing. The problem not with them. The problem's with you. So you don't like how you look because you've lost perspective. You don't like how others look. And you don't like how your world looks. Just walk home and the dog annoys you. Didn't do anything, but just want to kick him. Or you want to maybe just change the house. You don't like the house anymore. It's just too messy or it's too this or it's too that. You're all out of sorts. And to the rest of us who are watching on, we're kind of looking at you going, what is the matter here? And the truth is, Deep down, you don't either feel safe, you matter, or you don't belong to anywhere or anyone. I guarantee it. If you go home today and you think, okay, I'm out of sorts, you trace those feelings back to the root and you'll find at its cost, at its root, at its center, you believe you're not safe, you don't matter, or you don't belong. Now, let me take it a step further. If a persistent lack of peace leads to a persistent loss in perspective, stay with me, we need to be careful because a long-term or persistent loss of perspective can become what feels like a permanent loss of purpose. Do you follow? If you lose perspective for enough time, over enough time, you'll begin to lose a sense of purpose as to why you're alive. And when someone questions over and over and over again why they are here, and then they fail to find an answer then the wheels of their world are close to coming off. And at its root is the loss of safety, belonging, or matter. All because we lose and have lost our peace. Church, what are we to do? And where are we to go? We know what we are to do, and we know where we are to go. There is only one answer, and the answer is absolutely clear. We must turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis said this, God can give us peace and happiness apart from himself because there is no such thing. The fundamental truth and if you remember nothing else of what I share with you today that we need to remember and remind ourselves consistently, almost on a daily basis, is this, that peace 
is a person. Peace is not a place. If I could just get away to get my head shard and get to a place. Peace is not a passion. If I would just get that job, if I would get that thing, man, I'd just take it to the next level. That is not peace. Peace is not property. If I could just own this, if I could just change the car, get a better house, that is not peace either. Peace is not even our purpose. Peace is not our calling in God. Peace is a person, and the person is Jesus. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, we're familiar with these verses, some of us, and it reminds us, and he says, He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of... Now listen to this. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now, I have preached that verse. I have gone to prayer meetings and extolled that verse. And I've said this. And of the increase of his government, there'll be no end. But I have missed out a couple of words. What the verse actually says is, of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. What Isaiah wants us to see is this about Jesus, is that peace is the primary product of his rule. The moment you met the Lord, can you remember that day? What was the primary emotion you felt? It was peace. Because of the increase of his government, and as a result of his rule, the peace will have no end. Luke says this in chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. Watch this. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. God the incarnate has just been born to a, a, a virgin and her betrothed in a manger in Bethlehem. And here we are in September. The shepherds are on the hillside and the angels erupt and they are making this declaration that God has hit the planet to mankind as a child. And of all the things, about Jesus and his ministry and all the things he would grow up to do. Of all the things, they said peace in the announcement. They didn't go, and he will raise the dead. They didn't say, and he will walk on water. They didn't say, and he will rise again. They didn't say, and he will turn water into wine. And he will, no, 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 no. What did they focus on? What did they want the shepherds to hear? They said this, and on earth, peace. Why? What was so important about this peace that God wanted the shepherds to know in the first instance that Christ had arrived on the planet. Let's take a look. The word peace, everyone, for large parts of the New Testament is the Greek word irene. And it carries two distinct meanings. And I want to encourage you, Jesus fulfills them both. Push forward. Jesus is with the disciples. In John 14, and he's preparing them for his departure. And he alludes to both meanings of the word peace in this sentence when he says in verse 27, Peace I leave with you, 
semicolon. That's important right there. And then he says, my peace I give you. Both the word peace in these two sentences are the word irene, but different meanings to the word. In the first instance, he says, peace I leave with you. What he means is peace with God. With God. A signature part of the word irene means, and I love this, means to set at one. So now you can see when the angels erupted in this cacophony of praise on the side of a hill to some shepherds, and they announced that when Christ's grace rests upon you, there will be a peace, because the angels were announcing that through Christ, humanity will be set at one again with the Father. That the separation of Eden has now ended. That God had now come himself. And that through Christ, they and we can live in community with the King of Kings. Jesus has come to repair the mess we've made and recover us to the Father. Paul puts it this way in Romans 3, 23 and verse 24. What I've done is taken Romans 5 verse 1 and bolted it onto the end because it reads so well. Paul writes, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Therefore, Romans 5, 1, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why peace isn't property or a passion or a person or or a purpose. Because peace comes from God through the Lord Jesus. So we have peace with God. But there's more. 